And I'm going to read right now from Matthew. This is one of those four books we call a gospel. The good news is what that fancy word gospel means. The good news of who? Jesus. The gospels tell the story of this Jesus from his birth to his ascension back up to heaven. And yet they stand in a long narrative of God's work of salvation, of God's work in bringing us back to himself that begins in the beginning of the book. If you open up and begin, it says Genesis, the beginning. And, and what we see is one story, one long narrative of how God, through the history of, of humanity, has been, has been calling us back to life. And in Jesus, that whole story plays out as he comes as, as the one who could call himself back to life. And so us with him. We're going to read from Matthew 16, and we're going to hear how this one who calls us back to life has an interesting way of doing so. In Matthew 16, I'm picking up reading in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever wants to save their, but whoever wants but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Let me read that one more time since I lost it in the middle. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. In the past few weeks, we have been looking at what it means to be a church. Particularly as um, you know that we've, we've renamed who we understand ourselves, now River of the Valley, and, and we're thinking through what does it mean to be a church, particularly in 2020 particularly in Los Angeles, but in general, if, if we're going to be a church that's chasing after the vision of Christ, we've talked about being an epicenter of God's reconciliation. We've already talked about how part of, you can imagine a cross as the image or the emblem of that reconciliation, and you can dissect that there's the vertical beam and the horizontal beam, very convenient, thinking about how in the very life of Jesus, he came and, and showed us how his goal, his number one goal was to be reconciling us with God, to be connecting us once more back to himself. And if you pull apart that word religion, religament, the idea is that we are, we are being offered reattachment, religament with God. We discussed how that's done through Jesus, how through belief in him as Lord of Lords, as the Son of God, as God himself, belief in Jesus as the one who was crucified and died. Belief in Jesus as having the power of resurrection. And that, that belief, we participate. We are connected back to God. So that was the first, the first week. We then talked about the horizontal beam of the cross. And how, like when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? First, to love the Lord your God with all heart, mind, soul, body. But he couldn't stop there. 
he then went right on to say, but the second is this, to love your neighbor. And as he was with his disciples for one of the final moments before he would be arrested, he was with them and, and eating with them. And he was washing their feet and he had communion with them. And he gave them this command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. A love based on the example of Christ. And so he brought not just a vertical reconciliation, but as those angels were singing hallelujahs and peace on earth at his birth, this was a peace of vertical reconciliation, but also a peace among us. And this peace is something that we wrestle with. We discussed how Paul's letters to all the different churches that he was starting almost inevitably included a segment in which he was charging once more the, the church and the leaders to uplift the idea of reconciliation in their churches. That now there was no dividing wall of hostility. But Jews or, or Greeks, if, if you were in or if you were out, no matter who you are, now Jesus was bringing all of us back together. And that the church itself is this redeemed family of God. That we are all brothers and sisters. So we've had this cross, we've had this vertical, we've had this horizontal, this horizontal image for who we are as a church, why we exist. We exist as that epicenter of reconciliation, offering people to be connected back to God, offering people to be connected back to one another. At times we do that just by our gathering and community. Other times we do that more evangelistically, where we step out of our, our space, our sanctuary, we step out and like Christ, meet people at the well. Meet people in Jerusalem, in the temple. Meet people wherever they might be in their journeys between Jerusalem and the Sea of Galilee. We go out and we offer people that gift of the gospel. That's where we find ourselves today. And so right before we jump into this scripture, uh, I wanted to mention that if, if you want to track where we are, if you're particular at home right now, um, or if you want to turn on your phone, on our website, if you go to, I think it says, a vision or our story, you can see where we have outlined all of this and how our mission, our vision is clearly stated there so you can follow as I'm unpacking this. You can see this is not, this is not just for now. This is how we understand ourselves as a church. We're right now in this idea of the epicenter of reconciliation, but then... Uh, next week, we move into how we understand that to be done. Jesus was clear on that, as we'll see. You can be that epicenter of reconciliation as you are cultivating followers of Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week. Let's pray as we open up this particular scripture together. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful today that you, you once again give us this gift of your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit now with us would illuminate our understanding, our minds, that you would give clarity. Lord, that you would even speak through my mouth now as, as I open myself up to your word. And then together, your Holy Spirit would make this a moment of hearing. We confess, Lord, that without you in our life, we do not understand. We confess, Lord, that without you and your word, that we walk down the roads that lead to even our own destruction. So, Lord, we once again humbly ask in gratefulness 
that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your, your gift, for your Holy Spirit. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Everywhere you go, it's lying there. Any place that you enter, there it is. If you want to come along, Jesus was saying, if you want, if your intent is to be a Christian, if your intent is to be able to call yourself a Christian and live as such, then you'll need to pick it up. Because that's what we're doing. That's where all of this is headed, Jesus was saying. Pick up what? What is he talking about? Not just a cross. Very clearly, Jesus says to pick up your cross. Now, in case your ear is missing the shock value, basically what Jesus is saying is that a mark of being a Christian is going to be that you are on death row. It's a wonder to me why Jesus had a hard time keeping his followers at times. <laughs> he wasn't exactly giving them a, a palpable story to grab onto. You know, if he, if he really wanted to build a clientele, if he really wanted to build his base, then, then he needs to understand the ideas of marketing. Have you ever studied any of the theories of marketing? It's, it's important that when you're trying to sell something, that you are connecting with a need that people have. And this was probably one of the major reasons Judas had a hard time with Jesus. Basically, Jesus needed to, to fire his campaign manager. He was running the worst campaign in human history. You know, he's running you know, Jesus for Lord of Lords, Jesus for King of Kings. You too can be crucified. That's just not a good campaign slogan. Judas betrays him. Many disciples walk away from him. The issue is that we just don't see Jesus. We don't see Jesus giving you any way around your cross. There's no, there's no shortcut. There's no bypass. That actually would have been the perfect book that Jesus could have written to gain his following. Something like, something like the Ten Shortcuts to Happiness and Prosperity Now. You know, package that with a little uh, organic essential oils from the Sea of Galilee and send that off to people. He'd have a lot of following. But no. Instead, he had this almost gruesome message of picking up your cross and following me. If you're coming along, Jesus was saying, if you're going to be part of my gang, if you're joining my movement, then I'm telling you now. It's going to mean you're going to come daily into spaces, into places, into situations where there's going to be a cross on the ground. And your name is going to be on it. And if you want to continue walking alongside of me, it will mean that you pick it up and we keep going together. 
He bids me come and die and find that I may truly live. I was talking with a friend this past week. He's a lawyer. And he was telling me about how when he was first starting out, that he had these grand dreams of eventually being a successful lawyer, a DA. Maybe even one day he would become a judge. And he recalls that early on in his career, he was at a worship service. And he was asked to pray for a woman that was in that worship service. And the details basically were that she was in a hard, a hard time because her husband was, had just been arrested. She didn't know what she was going to do moving forward. She had all these kids. So he prays for her. The next day, he has an interview, not with the, the government, but with a public defending firm. He didn't want to do this, but he was keeping his options open. He shows up. Guess who's in the office? That same woman with her husband, looking for someone who would represent them. He walked into the office and what was lying there on the floor? His cross with his name on it. Maybe you've, if you're married or you're in a relationship, you've, you've entered into a, what's called an argument. You know, it's one of those times when you're right and the other person's wrong which often happens in my life. And you walk into the room, and just when you're about to pound in the idea that you are right and the other person is wrong, what do you see on the floor? A cross with your name on it. It's been hard for parents in quarantine. Our patience is running quite low for our children. They are amazing gifts of God, but being around being around the need to be um, giving discipline in a loving way can be trying. But just in that moment where you think you've lost all patience and no longer can you represent the goodness of God, the Father, as a father, right when you're about to say something you shouldn't, what do you see there on the floor? The cross with your name on it. You've been talking with these new friends of yours for several months now. They're wonderful. You love being with them. They're, they're the kind of people that you get along with naturally. You used to have dinner dates with them, but now you can't do that, so you've been still connecting on Zoom every once in a while. But there's one thing that you've never brought up to them. It's that you go to a church and that you have this, you have this burden being a part of that church. Christ has given you a gospel to share. So you walk into your next meeting with them, and what do you see lying on the floor? A cross with your name on it. You're lying uh, on your couch getting ready to flip on Netflix or whatever your, your binge of choice might be. And as you're laying there, considering how you can just relax now and let the world worry about its own problems, you suddenly remember brothers and sisters in this world that are not blessed with the opportunity to simply be sitting on your couch, 
but rather they're passing through hardships that you don't know or could imagine. So you look down, and between the TV, even between the remote and your hand, what's lying there? A cross with your name on it. We've primed the pump already the past few weeks. You know, we're ready for this conversation because we've been talking about how this cross is actually a vertical and a horizontal idea of reconciliation, and that Jesus, as he's talking about bearing his own cross, he's not talking about some idea. His vision isn't just to be some masochistic death wish. That's not Jesus' point. Rather, he came in order to bring humanity back together. He came in order to connect you back to God. But what did that require? Jesus said, I will do everything possible to heal this world. Everything possible. But when he said everything possible, what did that mean for him? It eventually meant that to get the job done, he would have to go to a cross. For Jesus to connect us back to God, for Jesus to, to do what's needed to show us the type of love that allows us to connect back to one another, to model it for us, to do it on our behalf. When he says, I'm willing to do everything possible to make this happen, it meant going to a cross. For those of us who so desperately want to see this world healed, our willingness to say, yes, I'm willing to do everything possible so that my family grows up in a world that's healed. Jesus is saying, awesome, join my movement. By the way, if you do this, if you mean this, if you want to be Christian, if you want to be Christ-like, Christ-follower, it will mean that you're going to walk into spaces daily in which you're going to see a cross on the ground. Because to make reconciliation happen in that moment, you will have to be, quite possibly, ran over. You will have to be, quite possibly, sacrificed. Perhaps it's the dreams you had in your life of becoming that judge. Perhaps it's your sense of being right in your relationships. Perhaps it's sacrificing your own fleshly desires and your patience or your desire to just be comfortable the moment will come in which the life that we might have wanted will need to be set aside because there will be a cross there waiting for us. Now first, Jesus picks up the cross for us, right? First and foremost, we, we have to stop as a church and realize we can't do this entirely. There's nobody that, that, that's going to be born that's going to have the ability to fully act like Jesus and lay down their lives completely for the good of this world. Jesus had to first do it for us. Jesus had to be the one that we watched walking by on the streets of Jerusalem. That's the gospel, that there is one who has done it for us, even when I'm talking now, even when you're flooded with the idea, wait, I have to do all that? Jesus has already done it for us. And still yet... He bids me come and die, and find that I may truly live. If you follow the way of Jesus, if you follow his 
his desire for us to be in community, pointing to God, to connect people back to Jesus. If you desire life such that this world knows peace among itself, love, then it does mean that you will see the crosses before you every day and that your name will be on them. Whoever, Jesus says, loses their life for me will find it. Here's where I want to add a little of my experience. The measure by which I've picked up my own cross with, with my name on it, the measure by which I've seen the crosses in my life, it says, Jesus, you have to deny yourself. So you know you're, you know you're about to pick up a cross probably when you least want to do it. You have to deny yourself, Jesus. So when you've picked up that cross, what I've found in my life is the measure to which I've picked up that cross, there has also been this great reward in my life. This prosperity of soul, prosperity of joy, prosperity of hope and peace. But also I've experienced the opposite. In those moments where I've seen the cross or I've, I've neglected to look for it, and instead I have tightened my grip on my life's prosperity now, on those fleeting prosperity promises that we have in this life. When I have tightened my grip on those, as we all do, what comes? We reap a harvest of anxiety. We reap a harvest of fear. We reap a harvest in which the darkness does not does not get expelled by the light of Christ. Jesus extends a promise to each of us today that as we pick up our cross and follow him, you don't only lose your life, more importantly, Jesus says, is you find your life. This is something that you can only understand by doing. I think there's a lot of people on the fence of Christianity, hovering and looking, and they're wondering, what would this look like? The problem is, I can't, I can't imagine it. The problem is, some of, these, some of these promises I see coming out of Jesus' mouth, I can't see them, I don't understand them. Yes, you're right. The promises here are, are, are born, and they are sowed, and they are reaped by faith. You don't understand that prosperity of soul until you've jumped the fence and you've joined the gang of Jesus. You don't understand the prosperity of joy until you've picked up your cross and you said, yes, I will follow you, Jesus. You don't understand the prosperity of peace and the prosperity of hope until you've said, yes, Jesus, I bow to you and you come to the waters of his baptism. Amen. Jesus calls each one of us. Go and spend the rest of your day today. Go spend the rest of your week cross hunting. Spend your time looking for the ways in which the Holy Spirit is going to work through you for the reconciliation possible in this world right now. In so doing, let us join together as an epicenter of God's reconciliation. Let's pray. 
Lord, our God, we're grateful that you have given us these, these promises for life. And we see, Lord, that they, their promises through the journey of being your agent of reconciliation. We see that these are promises that you have pulled us into. And there's a cross with our name on it that we pick up. Lord, I pray that you would give us the, the courage to lay down our wants and our desires in order to be the reconciliation this world needs. Use us, Lord, as we pick up a cross. Use us to point people back to you and to life. Use us, Lord, to point people back to one another and to love. And Lord, we ask that you would use our witness together as this church, that you would use us to be a witness, an epicenter of that reconciliation blossoming all around us. May there be a great shaking of your power in which people's lives are being changed because of our decisions, because of our willingness to pick up the crosses that we see. We thank you, Lord, for the grace that you have saved us, that you have carried the cross ahead of us, that already, Lord, we are in your life. May our grateful hearts now follow you as Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, we call you. We ask you, Lord, to show us the cross. Right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us an image of that cross before us today. Where are you calling us? Where are you calling me? Where can I find my name? Lord, expel the doubt right now that you wouldn't choose me. Instead, Lord, speak over us that yes, you are calling us by name right now. You are calling me to great things. You're calling me to lay down my life for another. Lord, you are calling me to, to lay down my, my dreams in this world to sow the better dreams of heaven. Lord, you are calling me. Help me hear that voice. This is not for the pastor. This is not for the leaders. This is for me, Lord. Call me by name. As I worship you now, in spirit and in truth. Praise the Lord. 
Oh. 